Hello, everybody, and welcome to Slasher, a delusional look into all things spooky, kooky, and terrifying. I'm Stormy. And I am Adrian. And it's still Pride Month, bitches. <laughs> yes, happy Pride, everybody. When does this one release? We're still pre-recording, if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, this one's pretty on brand. It comes out this week, so we're... Oh, okay. Or not on brand. We're on schedule right now. On brand. We, we pre-recorded a few episodes, but this one's magically fell into the week it's coming out. So we're doing great. <laughs> okay. Wow. We're doing great this week. But yeah, how's your pride pins going, Stormy? Um, I've almost fought some homophobics a couple of times. So, you know, great, great, wonderful. I'm proud to hear that. Mine's been like a mental struggle, like no other. But you know what? We're Honestly, here. same. But yeah. <laughs> uh, we're here, we're queer. Uh, the podcast is the safe space. This is where we come to decompress and have a good time and talk horror movies and get away from the world for a little bit because I've been stressed, girl. I don't know what's going on, but I've just been overwhelmed. I don't know what energy is. It's Gemini season, probably. Honestly, even the Geminis are struggling during Gemini season, so I am not apologizing. And last week, we have like a crazy like retrograde, so like the energy was shifting. I've been emotionally exhausted, but love that we're talking <laughs> two very different movies this week. I mean, right. obviously our main discussion is going to be The Hills Have Eyes, the 2006 remake. But we both, of course, got to watch the latest Conjuring film, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. And we definitely just wanted to start off the episode by just discussing it and expressing our thoughts of the film. So Stormy, we did watch it together. Yes. And like, much to like... I feel like a people think that we get to watch movies together a lot and we honestly don't. So right. it's kind of nice when we actually get to. Yeah. We like to kind of keep our podcast uh, discussions as being like our actual first talk uh, surrounding a film before we like come into it. So we mm -hmm. really don't watch a lot of the movies together. We just come in and discuss them after the fact. Um, so we have like a small mini discussion after the movie. I feel like we both have differing opinions on it because uh, it was fine. Like I didn't like leave the film feeling as exhilarated as I was the first couple of rounds, but I do have a lot of I don't want to say issues, but with the Conjuring films and the Conjuring universe altogether, I don't know. It's just like, I'm not, I'm all about it. And I love the Conjuring films, but like, it takes a long time for me to adjust to these movies. Like the first two movies, it took me a little bit to like, realize the brilliance behind them. And I feel like it might take a little bit of time with this one as well, because it was fine. <laughs> you were very melancholy about it. Um, I... I think we've discussed it. I'm not a huge fan of the Conjuring universe. I don't delve into them very often. Um, so when y'all brought it up, like mentioned watching it, I was like, ah, in my brain, obviously, because I'm try I try not to be too negative out loud. But I was like, I'm only doing this so I can spend time with my friends. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck about this movie. But that's what horror movies are for. Right. <laughs> But I really enjoyed it. It was fun to me. There wasn't very many jumps, um, which is a little unfortunate because I feel like The Conjuring is kind of known for jumps as far as what I can tell from the hype online. Um, I've only, I do enjoy that I didn't need to see all the other films for it to make sense. It's not a very like linear timeline. Um, so thankfully, as long as you know who the Warrens are, you're pretty set for the conjuring <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. um but yeah i had a good time i really enjoyed it i actually re-watched it last night with my family so oh cute yeah you're a double duty kind of hoe i <laughs> <laughs> us gemini's we really be working both sides i don't know what to tell you <laughs> so in the interest of keeping up with like like us ranking how we normally do what would how would you rank like the series yourself Hmm. I feel like I'm, I, I don't know if it's like a basic ranking, but I think I probably just would stick with one, two, and three in that order. Okay. But I feel like two and three probably are kind of battling it out a little bit. I will say the second Conjuring has the, the nun painting scene, which to me is like one of the best orchestrated horror. I thought that scene is so cheesy. You hated it. I loved it. Yes. I think it's amazing. I love it. And I think it's so like, 
I think it's just so well done. And it's just like, there's a few, there's a few scenes in the second movie that kind of do that for me. But I feel like the first one is just like, you know, by the by, like the most straightforward, like exorcism film out of the three. Not that it Mm -hmm. makes it better, but I just think, I think they had a lot of writing on it. So I feel like the energy in that movie is just a little bit more, it has more to it. I don't know how to explain that. Like, yeah. Yeah, it just feels like there's a little bit of passion behind it. Not that there isn't in these other films, but, you know, it was the first in what is now the Conjuring universe. So there was a lot riding on that film being successful. So I just felt like there was a little bit more TLC in it compared to the other two. But two and three are kind of a toss up. I watched number two for the first time yesterday, and I feel like it's the least favorite of mine out of all three. I had to watch that one like two or three times before like I like fully appreciated it. Mm, maybe I'll have to, we'll have to return to this conversation maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it probably goes like three, one, two for me for ranking. Wow. Yeah. What is it about the third one that you're just like gagging over? I just had a good fucking time. The, <laughs> like you Hi, literally gay. start out, <laughs> you start out like hot and heavy. Like there's, they didn't give us any type of break. Like they just shoved a demon straight in our face, stopped. Uh, well, I don't want to ruin anything. Cause I know not everybody has that opportunity, but literally heart stopping. Yeah. Chilling like right away. And I'm like, okay, well <laughs> we're really going for it. I will say the opening scene of uh, the latest installment of the conjuring. Uh, it was great. Like the opening is it's heart uh, pounding. It's exhilarating. It's terrifying. Um, and it's fun. It's a blast. It feels like it's almost like a love letter or a culmination of like the first two films and just like what we've seen with the Warrens. Because after that, after the first act, like after the first 30 minutes of the movie, I don't know where it's going. And it like completely just shifts base and it just completely, I feel like it doesn't even know what story it's trying to tell, but it gets to the end somehow. I'm a little bothered by like, so they brought in the idea of like battling the justice system right, (laughs) and trying to convince them. And they bring it in for like, two lines like one where they get to like introduce annabelle and like fucking spooked to the core and then another one to like do the mention of the title and then we don't we don't talk about the justice system until the end we don't even talk about it at the end we don't even talk about it we're just in court they're like he's guilty that's yeah, it. <laughs> it, I thought that was going to be a lot more. I don't know what I expected, like judges getting haunted and fucked up or something, but <laughs> I would have loved that. I would have loved it. Listen, I know with The Conjuring and I understand, like, if we're looking at like the real life case file and the real life like court trial of Arnie, like, you know, that defense was brought up, you know, the devil made me do it. And that defense was thrown out very quickly. Like it was, there there really was no battle in court to like prove the existence of demons. But if I'm watching a film that's clearly over-exaggerating real life events, then I don't know, make it a little bit more interesting. Make it feel like there was a little bit of a battle because girl, we, I mean, come on. Like we know that a lot of this probably really didn't happen. So you might as well just Mm -hmm. give us a little bit more because it does, it starts off and it's like, you know, Ed gives that amazing line where he's like, you know, every child, yeah, at the beginning of every trial, the court always accepts the presence of God or whatever. And he's like, it's time that they accept the presence of the devil. And then we have that funny scene with the lawyer and the amazing scene where they get up where the lawyer and it's just like dead silent after, you know. <laughs> I laughed my ass off the second time, like when I was with my mom, because there is not a single peep in that courtroom. It's so funny. And it starts, it starts well. We have a great opening exorcism. Um, that's intense and then we have those scenes that are like you know following what happened and then we're like oh shit now we're gonna have like all this happening because even the scene before that when Arnie is possessed and he kills that guy like that whole scene was great I thought it was well done it was like very tense Blondie (laughs) Blondie in my horror right it was just it was fun it was like great like the first act of this movie is so exhilarating and I don't hate that they like from that point take a different approach and it's like not like your traditional exorcism film and it focuses on you know the witch totems and it goes beyond that it's not like a normal possession not a real mom I'm a cool mom that's really (laughs) the vibe that they gave and I'm living for it (laughs) girl I don't know it just it kind of lost it for me I think I probably need to rewatch it a few times to like fully appreciate it because I mean it's not like the rest of the film is bad. The ending scene's really fun. But I mean, just like with the other Conjuring films as well, it's very straight. It's a very, um, you know, you know, very pro-Christian, pro, 
God. The audacity they had to release this during Pride Month. The audacity. Um, and so, I mean, and I don't, I don't hate that. I know, I mean, most exorcism films, you know, revolve around good versus evil. But it's just like the same by the by, you know, the power of the Warren's love, which is cute. I love them together. It's great. But like the only way that they can defeat evil is by the love that they have for one another and the love they have for Jesus. So like none of it felt different. It didn't feel like a culmination of the first films. It just felt like a repeat of the first films, just with like a witch thrown in for shits and giggles (laughs) to mix it up a little bit. Add a little spice. Um, They gave us the smallest glimpse of queer love with the girls and maybe I'm queer coding maybe I'm adding that in myself but I completely felt like those two girls were in love and then yeah they get fucking murdered so ripped away one of them has to get stabbed 20 22 times but we sure have time to look at Ed and Lorraine dance around a white gazebo with like fucking American flags on it like oh yeah hell yeah America Okay, but the white in me really wants to get married in the gazebo. <laughs> I mean, the hopeless romantic in me is all about it. But like, you know, but again, I'm not like saying it's like an awful movie. It didn't like, I mean, I'm probably going to watch it again a handful of times because again, there's the scares in the film are so done really well. Uh, the last act, although it feels disjointed from the first, is still really well done. It's really exhilarating. Um, the scene where Arnie's in like the mental facility, I think is where he's at or the hospital, the mental hospital. And like that whole final scene's happening. It's really fun. It's really well done. The direction's really good. It's obviously not James Wan. It, this one was directed by Michael Chavez. So it's the first of like the main conjuring films that wasn't directed by Wan. And you can definitely feel that. Um, the tone feels a little bit different compared to the first two films. Um, a lot of it is, it just feels different, but it's not, bad maybe i'll have to rewatch it i think it could easily at some point over or surpass the second film for me in terms of like my ranking but i probably have to rewatch it again to like fully appreciate it not that i don't but i think the biggest problem that i have with the second is you they're literally every five minutes they're like don't forget this is british <laughs> like don't forget we're in england there's always there's something constantly reminding you and that's so fucking annoying like we get it you're white you're british it's cool like shut the fuck up but good god but you can't say that that old man is not the most terrifying thing in the world oh yeah but I do hate the crooked man scene. People like that. I don't enjoy it. I thought it was very corny. Um, and that's like one thing that always sours me on the second film because I just don't need it. And the Conjuring films and the Conjuring universe does this. where They're like constantly like setting the pace for more movies to come out of one movie. Like they're right. always setting up like a million other different ghosts and demons and entities just to then, you know, bank off of another movie. Uh, like Annabelle Comes Home is like there's so much going on in that movie there's so many different entities and demons that they're combating in that film and i mean some of them are fun and they're like um i don't know they're just always doing that they're always trying to like lay the groundwork for more movies and the second conjuring definitely just felt so heavy-handed in that and i think that's why it took me a couple watches to like really appreciate it because when i first watched it i was like this is this is too much this is wild this is insane like there's just like i they're fucking they laid the groundwork for like 17 movies in that movie and i'm just like can we slow down and focus on the main story for a second no. and that's kind of how i felt with this one a little bit but i will say that huge ass motherfucker in oh uh, big papa big my papa, god girl i will say he was amazing He's just sumoing his way through this entire movie, and I live. I was obsessed. I was so obsessed with him. The first scene with him is so fucking terrifying and well done. I think it's so funny. Whenever <laughs> they break the connection, he just boom, straight <laughs> smashes his face in. I was like, oh, okay. So funny. Honestly, I failed though. <laughs> <laughs> so well done. So well done. I love that scene. And I mean, the movie is good. A lot of good happens in it. But yeah, it just feels very disjointed. Um, it's the bottom of my ranking at the moment. But probably with a few rewatches, I can probably, I can see it surpassing the second at some point. Just not, not right now. I enjoy the chaotic energy. but again kudos for them for not just doing the same exorcism story that they've done in the first two films because at that point we'd probably also be kind of over it so yeah i was expecting like some exorcism of emily rose type scenes very that 
That's what um, I was expecting. Because that movie's still fucking... I have not watched that movie since I saw it in theaters. And I was probably in junior high whenever I saw it. That movie scarred me because I still constantly think about the scene where she, wake up, where she wakes up at 3 a.m. So mm-hmm. I just can't. That movie fucking, it scarred me. And it's so good. If I'm awake anytime near, like say I'm going to bed and it's 2.45... Um, I'm downing NyQuil to fall asleep before it hits three. <laughs> Not bad. No, ma'am. I fucking love it, though. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a courtroom drama. I love how to get away with murder. So I was so excited when they set that, when they set that up in this movie, and then they just completely ignored it. And then mm. at the end, it's like everything happened, and they're like, and then he was sentenced for five years, and he was still found guilty for manslaughter. That's it. Goodbye. And I was like, and he got married to the girl in jail. <laughs> But you know what? Patrick Wilson still looks like a snack. I would still want to munch on his ass and have a fucking buffet. And Vera is still so stunning and is like a scene stiller in every fucking way. So it's still fun. The Warrens are still fun, straight, pro-Christian, pro-Catholic couple. But <laughs> I need to see a current picture of Patrick Wilson because like, is that makeup? Did we make yes. him old or is he struggling that hard? Because I was like, homeboy is not doing well since Insidious. Are we sure he doesn't have something clinging to him? <laughs> because he's aging like a motherfucker. But if it's makeup, then that makes sense. I, think, I, think I was worried. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because he, there's that TikTok that's going around of him at the movie theater um, like surprising people at the movie screening and he still looks as fucking delectable as ever so okay good i was worried for him <laughs> you cannot be attracted to daddy john and then be slightly turned off with a little bit of wrinklage on no 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 no, no. <laughs> i wasn't turned off in the slightest i was just worrying for his health because that was a very fast decline if that is natural girl his hobble in this movie his limp was non-existent i like, feel he's... so bad for him he has a straight-up heart attack and then and we just have him running the rest of the film. Girl. At one point, he books it faster than the detective. And I'm like, sir. He's detective. really like, I'm a runner. I'm a track star. <laughs> Dude, he really was. Oh, um, gosh. But yeah, overall, solid movie. And as always, it's always a good, it's always a fun time when a new Conjuring movie comes out. So it's it's been all over my timeline. That's all I've seen. That's all people have been talking about. And it's the Conjuring. And I'm always here for it. And I've enjoyed it. I've been personally taking some time away from social media, but anytime I pop up since the release, that's all I see. So I'm really not missing much and I'm glad for it. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It's great. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more in detail later on down the line, perhaps. But we definitely wanted to give our just general review and discussion on it because, I mean, baby, new horror. We're getting new horror. It's so fun. I also got to watch A Quiet Place too. Stormy hasn't seen it yet, though, so maybe we can talk about that later, but this is at least one that we both have seen. Would it be too much to talk about, like, to have an episode where we just talk about the Conjuring universe, like, in general? Oh, no, let's do that, because I have so much to discuss with all of those. I mean, I have to catch up, but... Yeah, there's so many I haven't seen, and I I would probably only watch them for an episode like that, Mm -hmm. because I just, I'm not interested in a majority of them, so... Let's just have a James (laughs) Wan episode. Uh, yes, I, but listen, I'm obsessed with James Wan. Honestly, I'd suck his dick in a split second. I mean, same. We can share. Because... Oh, okay. <laughs> honey, Adrian, honey. bonding on a different level. Because <laughs> honey, he's so adorable. I was watching um, a behind-the-scenes featurette where he was discussing, like, the Warrens and, like, his um his inspiration for directing and creating the first conjuring film and he just is so adorable I, it was a couple years ago i'm sure but he's just so delectable he can be behind my scenes yes girl but the warrens i don't know girl there's just so much craziness even surrounding them so we could definitely probably do like a full episode about the conjuring universe about the warrens the warrens are a hot fucking mess apparently they were terrible fucking people mm. uh, <laughs> so street. yeah so and again even yeah i mean i understand it's the devil and you know when you're discussing the devil and demons you're gonna hear about god but you know just with the warrens pro their pro-catholic propaganda is just a little too much for me sometimes just because i'm not you know the biggest fan of organized religion in any sense of the word so We'll have a hopeful discussion about them eventually. I think that'd be very fun to just dive into the Conjuring universe. A full just hour plus discussion on all of them. Okay, down. But let's go ahead and get into our 
the main course of today's discussion and let's go ahead and discuss the hills have eyes Hey everybody, so if you're enjoying the podcast so far, definitely look into giving us a rating. It would be really, really beneficial. We're open to ideas and feedback. It really goes a long way. So go ahead and look into giving us a rating. Again, we're on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, and many more places. But for now, let's go ahead and get back to the show. The Hills Have Eyes is a 2006 remake of the classic 1977 film of the same name. The movie follows a family as they are hunted by mutated cannibals in the middle of the desert. Originally released on March 10th, 2006, the film, of course, was a remake of the Wes Craven classic. Although the film itself is intense, it seems to have remained a favorite amongst the horror fans. The remake would see a sequel released the very next year. Made on an estimated budget of about $15 million, the film would go on to make about the same amount its opening weekend. From there, it would go on to make about $70 million worldwide. The film was directed by Alexandre Aja, who also directed Piranha 3D in 2010 and recently Crawl, released in 2019. The film stars Ted Levine as Big Bob, Kathleen Quinton as Ethel, Dan Bird as Bobby, Amelia DeRaven as Frenza, Vanessa Shaw as Lynn, and Aaron Sanford as Doug. So the hills have eyes. So Stormy, what made you want to discuss this movie this month? You know what? (laughs) I have memories of this movie from a very young age. And I don't know what that says about me as a person. Um, (laughs) And June is when I get to go full out balls to the wall. So it is a little bit more intense than I remember it being. I think perhaps I could have suppressed some of of it. Um, Because honestly, this is probably the first time that I've rewatched it in a very long time. Um, I still think it is an amazing film. I do have an affinity for the Wes Craven version. Um, but this one, I think it's another one of those things where I just hold nostalgia with it as fucked up as it sounds. So. No, I 100% agree. I remember this film so vividly as a child and I remember it just being so fucking scary that it just it was one of those ones that it took a little bit of time for me to revisit uh the first time that I revisited it, quite honestly was just about like a month or two ago I revisited it uh I revisited it for I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> uh but I just felt like re-watching it because it I think it had appeared on HBO Max or something along those lines it's already gone from streaming platforms so you know toss that idea out the window but when it was recently on streaming services I had rewatched it and it is intense it is so intense it is so gory it is so it's an uncomfortable watch at times but it's still like a really solid horror movie and like you said I do have a very um uh I have a very soft I don't even know how to say it I have a soft spot for the original Wes Craven's classic um just because of course it came out in the 70s and 70s horror is so transformative and what I mean if you even look at the story it's very bare bones but like what Wes was able to do and accomplish with the original was outstanding and I think this is probably one of the more uh well-received remakes and I think it's one of the best around that remake era you know the early 2000s where we're getting so many of them I feel like this one really stands out as being relatively good mm-hmm um, the cast, I don't think I could have asked for any anybody better. I think it's very well put together. Um, I hate Big Bob. He reminds me of every man down here in the Bible Belt. Girl. Um, he got what he deserved. I did not feel a single ounce of pain when I saw him burst into flames. Um, <laughs> Girl. I, I, I share the sentiment. I share the same sentiment. I could care less about Big Bob. He, again, Ted Levine's great, though. I mean, he does amazing as being inseparable. Um, apparently, a lot of his work was improvised in this film, which is outstanding. That means he's great at being annoying. Um, so. <laughs> same, though. Same. <laughs> but yeah, I was very whatever. I mean, I just feel bad because the family does so well with their acting and the mom and the daughters. Um, mm-hmm. So I still felt very bad when he burst into the flames. But I mean, looking back on it, no, I don't care too much. Right. I don't even know where to start with this movie. Do we want to start with the family? 
Um, yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, we already have a big bomb. <laughs> <laughs> the mom's great. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. She's cute. She's fun. Um, she does great in this movie. I really enjoy her. Um, Ethel. She's kind of a bitch, but like, <laughs> she's kind of a bitch, but like also, <sighs> she has like a little bit of like the cool mom vibe because she's like, oh my god, don't talk like that, and then like she's still giggling at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and I I vibe with that kind of person. Like, obviously, you want you don't want to be like. Mm, balls to the wall with your children like you still want to have that authoritative like stand but it's so fun whenever they still have like a bit of humor left behind them because big bob has nothing he's insufferable he's the worst yeah and ethel apparently she was a hippie back in the 60s for Mm -hmm. a bit of time uh so i'm I'm assuming that makes the movie's release as being the time frame that the film is actually taking place in i guess is what we're led to believe here uh, but yeah, she was like a hippie back in her day, apparently, according to Big Bob. Um, so that makes her kind of cool in my book. But yeah, she's just a mom in general. Like when um, when uh, Lynn is like breastfeeding her baby. And of course, you know, being a mom has to comment on like how she should be parenting her baby and how she should be doing. Yeah, you know, she's still a little bitchy, but I still, I, her death is probably the most gut-punching to me because I don't know. Really? I still, yeah, I felt so, oh, beyond the dog. Beyond the dog, beyond beauty. Uh, yeah, R.I.P. Honestly, the most important character next to Beast in this movie. I live for the dogs. They The stars of this movie. They should have got Oscars. That's <laughs> I stand for that. <laughs> they really should have. Best actors. The best dogs. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think. I think Lynn's death probably made me the saddest. And I think that's because I relate with her on a like in a weird way I relate with her just because she's a mom and her husband's a fucking insufferable asshole but she still loves him and so I think Lynn's probably my saddest well that whole scene obviously like the whole entire RV scene is like it's (laughs) rough it's a hard watch uh the whole all of it is rough um yeah but Ethel and Lynn's deaths pretty much back to back are just it's hard to watch that whole scene is just intense but. And the mom in me is just I, I I don't can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie, but every single time I'm so worried that they're gonna kill Catherine, the little baby. Yes, just the anxiety that I have. We've talked about it many a time where we don't kill children in horror, like very often at least. Right, especially babies, like infants, like full on infants. They just give you so many moments where that's what you're anticipating. Like, what other option do they have? And so right. This movie's crazy. It's so fucking crazy. Uh, I think obviously, maybe for both of us growing up, like the biggest thing for me is that it took place in New Mexico and not a lot of film and TV happens in New Mexico. No, so, like, we, happens- we get Roswell. That's all we get. <laughs> Roswell and Breaking Bad. So we're known right. for aliens and fucking meth ends. Right, which I mean, if the shoe fits. But... Um, I'll be <laughs> but like, this was pretty big for me as a kid. Like seeing something on this big screen, like in New Mexico was insane for me. But I enjoyed that we actually got some type of representation for the homeland, the land of enchantment entrapment oh yeah you're right you're right girl i can't escape these motherfucking cannibals because the original was in nevada (laughs) the fucking remake is in new mexico so catch me getting a pickaxe to the head i guess right well and the thing is is it's not filmed in new mexico but it sure as fuck looks like new mexico that's the vibe like honestly if you are from anywhere but the bible belt like and you've ever wondered what new mexico looks like it's exactly this that's that's all the Moroccan desert is New Mexico. So if y'all are wondering if you get to go to Morocco at any point before New Mexico, and I don't blame you if you decide to do that, that's literally what New Mexico is. It's crazy how like similar they look to one another because it's New Mexico down, like hardcore. It feels like New Mexico, dude. Even Nevada, like I can go out to the mountains here, like right next to Vegas. And I always, bitch, I go out there. I'm like, these hills have eyes, baby. <laughs> Like, I get right. so nervous going out to the mountains here. Thanks to the first film as well. So mm-hmm. even though a lot of, like, testing didn't really go on in New Mexico, there was only, like, one, like, thing, like, major test that happened in the state of New Mexico. Most of them were in Nevada. Um, but they sure as hell made us feel like maybe 
cannibals are running around out there in the fucking desert because well i think what is it is it white sands that's the nearest testing point in new mexico and alamogordo is just like mountains and white sand so yeah and white sands is so stunning it really is but it's so stunning there it really is new mexico does have some pretty places carlsbad caverns is stunning as well uh but it's really not worth it i mean it sucks because we do have some some beauty in the state but we grew up there baby so we just don't have we don't have a lot of passion behind Mm -hmm. (laughs) the state we've seen all the shit behind it so i mean to other people it's probably pretty but we're just like look at all this fucking red dirt fuck this place (laughs) but this one nails it girl it fucking Mm. nails it i will say though um I don't know. I'm a sucker for a good opening. Um, I love the opening credits. They're always like so unsettling. Um, every time I watch the this music, movie, the music, it gives me, I mean, obviously it's akin to like wrong turn where it's, you know, some more incest cannibals. Well, I don't think they're incest cannibals here. I mean, I don't know. Uh, wrong turns more incest cannibalism yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing going on, but it's like the same vibe, those two intros. And it always, it made me so uncomfortable as a kid and it still does. Well, and then like, music that's playing it reminds me of like the panic alarms like in sinking ships and it makes me it just i think i've talked about it before but that makes me anxious i'm not here for it so really just sets the tone right away yeah but i thoroughly enjoy the music in this movie the fucking like what you're talking about like the burn burn it's yeah like i said it's so fucking scary like anytime it fucking needle drops in this movie i'm like i get like i get anxious my heart starts to pound because you know something's going to happen Mm -hmm. but yeah it's fun the family of course traveling they're going to california i think is the whole idea here yeah and they stop at the gas station per usual come on come on horror tropes they stop at the gas station the old creepy man gives them directions that lead them to their inevitable doom but that old man is going through it clearly i I don't want to know how like he orchestrated this deal with these cannibals. Like, I want to know how that conversation went. I think maybe like if he leads people to their inevitable doom, they leave him alone. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to know how that conversation happened. Because uh, I mean, I guess they can speak <laughs> English, but like, how does that? Like, they just walk into his fucking gas station. They just knock at the front door. They walk in, looking terrifying looking so fucking scary and they're like hey girl can we get some gas and also anytime somebody drives up to your gas station you better direct them this way or we will come here and fucking eat your brains like right from your head well and he's already struggling because he um what is it i think he thinks ruby is snooping around like the night before yeah like right beforehand and so he has ptsd from dealing with these motherfuckers anyways so i know as we see later on because he ends up uh, committing the S word later on in the fucking graphic ass way, obviously with a shotgun straight underneath the chin, blows his head up. This girl, I was like, uh, squeeze me. I was not. I did not need any of that in my heels have eyes. But I mean, I don't know what I was expecting. But that was when I rewatched this film. I completely forgot that that happened. So I, my jaw was on the floor. I was like, ah, okay then. And he's also he's gonna die. I don't want to die in an outhouse. I don't want to die on the pot. Oh my god, I know. Poor thing. Poor thing. But then we get to see Big Bob get his head fucking cracked. Mm, so mm. It's worth it. It's so fucking scary when they say daddy. I'm never using daddy as like a kink word ever again. That's all you hear. Daddy? Daddy. And he's just like, oh, oh, oh. He's like freaking out immediately. And I don't blame him. And he's just shooting off into the distance of like any type of stupid idiot would. So um the gas station guy i don't know why i really like this line but he's like if that's you you jupiter i've got some buckshot for you and for some <laughs> reason i think that's so fucking funny but what is a and buckshot buckshot it's what comes out of a shotgun it's like oh. the little pellets that shoot everywhere that's what it's called buckshot. oh okay i did not know that so that went over my head <laughs> but for some reason like i always laugh at that line and it's honestly kind of sad because he says it again like right before he commits the s word <laughs> poor guy i feel so bad for him i will say though that the family all together their dynamic works really well together they feel very believable as a family which i think is always a big thing with movies that of course have some type of family dynamic like they need to feel like an actual family and they nail it they really do they feel dysfunctional they feel chaotic and it works you know brenda's the 
18, 19 year old over everything. She just doesn't want to be with her family. The, I don't know how old he's supposed to is, is he older than Brenda or are they like the same age? I feel like they're the same age. I feel like they're around the same age. Yeah. He's just like, you know, just trying to impress his dad or whatever. Just trying to be cool, macho guy. It's very believable. They have a great dynamic. Um, I do think that Lynn and Doug, although Doug is kind of annoying, I do like them together. And uh, I mean, Doug, of course, ends up being the hero of the film. So I have some type of a soft spot for him as well, just because he's able to, you know, stick it to them in the end, which I thoroughly enjoy in this movie. I think I'm just annoyed because they're in the back of the trailer and he starts smoking and yeah, where he's like, fuck your sister. And I'm like, "Ah, excuse me, you, the woman who just had your fucking child get fucked. Yeah. That pissed me off when he said that when I rewatched it, I was like, I don't know why I thought in my head that he like took it back or like apologized for it. And he doesn't. I'm like, ew, man, uh, garbage. But then, of course, I mean, he has to live with those, seeing her dead body for the rest of his life. So mm-hmm. karma, I suppose. He's he's an asshole, but he does the motherfucking thing in the end. So he does what is needed to be done. I guess. But the family dynamic's great. I think they're very believable as a family. I guess it makes sense that they would, like, immediately just, like, go off into the distance by themselves. Because if you're in the middle of nowhere and you're stranded, I mean what other options do you have although it just of course in hindsight seems so stupid but they didn't have like they had no other option to fucking just walk off into the desert like that but right i mean i don't know well if if this ever happened to me i don't know what i would do cry probably cry i mean i don't i wouldn't want to walk i wouldn't want to just walk into the middle of the desert and hope i come across somebody that can help i wouldn't want to do that right and you can't trust anybody well yeah (laughs) I mean, I can't trust anybody. I sure can't. I don't know what I would do in this situation other than cry. There's so many people involved that, like, you can't make all of us, like, traipse around. Like, you have to, like, save resources and stuff. But, like, like what other option do you have, like you said? I know it sucks. It really does suck. Because <sighs> recently when I went home to New Mexico, well, I guess I didn't really go home, but I went, like, to a portion of New Near. Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to pick up my sister for her recent visit. Um, literally, we were driving along, just minding our own fucking business, me and my boyfriend. And, like, all of, like, nowhere my tire was flat. Like, oh. that bitch, out of nowhere, Miss Girl. And so we had to pull over. Thank God my boyfriend's just an aficionado with tires, I suppose. He'd, like, literally change that, put on my spare within, like, five minutes like literally and we hop back into the car and just kept driving and I was able to get on the phone and the next town was like an hour away I called that I called the body shop in that town a tire shop and was able to book an appointment for an hour ahead uh, an hour later we rolled in swiped my credit card got a new tire and just kept rolling girl I love that yeah it was quick it was efficient it was nice I had cell phone service but if this if it had happened within a desert like this I probably would have went into full panic mode I probably would have I don't know. I just, I can't imagine being in the scenario. It's try. It's quite honestly one of my like greatest fears. Thanks to this movie and living in the fucking desert. One of my greatest fears. Especially with a baby. Especially with a baby and two dogs. Poor beauty has to go and get gutted immediately. Trigger warning because I hate it every time I watch it. But honestly, like I love Peter, my weenie dog. I do. But if he's taking off into the hills, sorry, buddy. It's over. Right. Sorry, no. I'm, I'm not going to chase him into the fucking, I almost said the woods. Yeah. <laughs> into the hills. And probably even before this, because I have no directional awareness in the slightest. So I would, Peter would be traipsing off like into the hills and I would follow him like two feet and be lost. And we're both dead at that point. So Girl, I don't know if I told the story in the podcast before. Maybe I have. Um, I probably have told you before, so I might be beating a dead horse. But like when I had gone to the hot springs with my boyfriend and my friend Jessica, who lives in Dallas, when she had visited, I don't know, in 2019 or something. I don't even remember anymore. Uh, but when we had gone to a hot springs, we came in one way, and then my boyfriend was like, Oh, well, there's a path that we can take the back way around to get back to the parking area. And they like we fucking started walking within like an hour, it was fucking pitch black. We were literally lost. We were out in the wilderness for three hours in the hills, honey, of Nevada, just trying to fucking find the freeway so we can find out where we had parked. It was a hot fucking mess. And this movie was 
steady in the back of my mind. Both of them, the original and this one, were steady in the back of my mind. I was like, baby, we're going to fucking run up on some cannibals and it's going to be over for me. But we're here. I was able to create this podcast much, much years later. So, you know, I was able to make it through. But, girl, this movie just, it had an effect on me as a child. It was pretty scarring, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why, like, so whenever I drive to Vegas, I don't let my car get anywhere near empty. I stay on every single road. I'm obsessively, I've driven, making, I've made this drive, I don't know, several times by myself. So I know the route, but I'm constantly checking my maps, making sure I didn't make a wrong turn somewhere. Uh, I'm determined not to be in Hills Have Eyes 3. So. Same, uh, honey. I mean, our roommate, Shannon, I remember we were driving back. I think we were driving to, I honestly don't know, my girl trauma, selective memory, I can't remember. I, I think we were driving back to Vegas. I'm assuming that's what we were doing. I think that's what the journey was. But I remember we were driving, it was like super late. It was like 11 p.m. or something. And I was like, you can drive for a little bit because I need to sleep. It's really fucking late. And the drive from New Mexico to Vegas is a 12-hour drive. Um, and so we had swapped off and girl, I remember I woke up and we were like, shall we, I'm more stopping at this gas station. And I had driven that road to and from Vegas multiple times. I was like, I've never seen this gas station, honey, where are we? And so we get off. It was really creepy. It was like really run down. There was like nobody there, but like one other person like walking around who just looked really creep, like really creepy. We got back in the car and like I was routing us and I was like, Shannon, where are we? And I said, well, I was just following the GPS. And I was like, no, sweetie, I don't know what the fuck you did. Because if we were following the GPS, we would have been on the main freeway, like the main highway. That's like a straight shot to fucking Vegas. I was like, this is like a back road. And like service was fucking awful. Like the GPS would go in and out. And we were just literally on this back road for 40 minutes. And I was so fucking terrified that we were never going to make it out alive. Because I had no idea where we were. Eventually, we were able to find like some fucking side road. And like it magically took us back to the main highway. But I was like, I don't know what the fuck you did. I don't know if you fell asleep while driving. I don't know how we ended up completely <laughs> off course. But we were in like the most creepy, like there was nobody around. It was so scary. There was one Abducted. car behind us. Girl, there was one car that was behind us driving for like 30 minutes. And I was like, this is this is the end for me, honey. This is it. This is where I check out. But we're able to make it out alive. Again, here I am today. <laughs> but I hate it. Road trips are all like, they're so fun. And they're like, so they're a good time. But they're also like, so scary. They are so fucking scary. They really are. And this movie is why, girl. This is literally like one of the first movies that I recall in, you know, of a road trip, a family road trip and it going awful or going horribly wrong. And it's just stuck with me. I've been always, I'm always like on edge anytime I'm in a car traveling anywhere. (laughs) Dude, same. Um, But I guess we can kind of go over the RV scene then, because girl, that's probably the staple of this movie. I think that's probably what everybody really remembers for both films from the original and the remake. And it's awful. It's awful. It is so hard to sit through. Obviously trigger warning, the biggest thing obviously is the rape scene it's so uncomfortable i will say though in rewatching it not too long ago i don't know why i thought it was more graphic i don't know why that's what head. i was about to say yeah. that i don't remember it being this mile i thought it was a lot more uncomfortable in the past yes same but i think it's probably because i watched it so young that it was just traumatizing shocking also, yeah. yeah so shocking like just in general and it was so it just left like such a, a stamp in my brain. So I went into it expecting it just to be so awful. And it was pretty tame for a rape scene in comparison to like other films. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that it's an easy watch. It's still a difficult watch, but I was like utterly surprised that it wasn't as graphic as I recall. Unless maybe I'm thinking of the unrated version, which I don't know if that was the first version that I saw. Maybe, because I think I think I purposely chose the... Same. Literally same. I literally same. I was like, well, I looked at it. I looked at the unrated version and I looked at the runtime between both films to see there was like a difference and there's literally not. The unrated version is like a minute longer than uh, the unrated or the regular version, the theatrical version. Uh, But maybe I'm thinking of the unrated version. Maybe I saw that as a kid and that's what I'm thinking of because in both rewatches, it was just the theatrical version. Right. Maybe it was just a little bit more clean, a little bit less graphic. But I mean... At least it helped me get to an RV scene a little bit more smoothly because I was expecting it to be a lot worse. Not that it's still not so uncomfortable, but 
we get through that girl and they just knock this family out one by one it really is a hard watch i feel so bad like i said for lynn i feel so bad for yeah for lynn because she gets fucking nursed by this creepy mutant yeah girl in front of her sister and her baby and them eating the bird girl oh my god the way he squeezed that like an actual ketchup packet <laughs> bites his head off and just squeezes the blood out of him i was like what gnarly what girl. did he say so <laughs> what do you say girl so gnarly so gross hate it Peta's on their ass i'm sure Peta fucking sent angry emails up the ass about this movie mm-hmm. yeah that one was rough um and then lizard just blows lynn's brains out and that's the end of her uh, for like a for a split second i thought like it wasn't gonna happen every time i watch this movie i hope that she makes it i wish why is she our heroine why don't why doesn't she go and like kill these cannibals in the end i'd rather that story the mother's love just yes <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, i don't know it'd be i don't know a little bit more interesting than doug running around but well and he finally grows some balls like big bob wants him to and demolishes a whole family of mutants. <laughs> the liberal does it. The liberal, wow, the propaganda in this movie. So speaking of Doug, would you have gone down into that basin like full of fucking cars? <laughs> I thought first, I mean, I'll answer that question here. I thought you were going to say, would you have gone down on Doug? That oh my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no. You're all not a... <laughs> For both, it's a no, sweetie. Yeah, the fact that he just like sees that and then his his first thought is like, oh, I'm gonna go down there and see what's up. Like, what? Like, you see that this is a dead end, and that usually means bad things. But he just comes back. He's like, look at this fishing pole I got. It comes back with all kind of treats, and I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, it's all new, and I'm like, that should also tell you something, right? Because, girl, there's a lot of dumb decisions (laughs) in this movie. But again, like, I always understand because if I was in the scenario, God only knows what kind of stupid decisions I would be making. So I don't, I don't, like, fall down for it. Me and Adrian would be in the trailer just crying. Yeah, honestly, full force. I would not, I wouldn't know what to do. Full Scooby-Doo vibes. I would be in eating all the snacks and crying. Oh, yeah, we're Shaggy and Scooby for sure. (laughs) So does that mean Austin is our friend that has like plans and stuff? Yeah, very that. He would try to figure mm-hmm. out a way to save the day and I would just be eating Scooby Snacks. Eating High and eating. Yeah, yeah, pretty much us. Uh, I will say though, I did forget for whatever reason, like Bobby and Brenda's little like side story where they're able to defeat at least one of the cannibals and blow up that mm-hmm. whole fucking rv which was epic to me I what kind of, of home alone like fucking <laughs> contraption did he concoct with all that they set the they set the table <laughs> in terms of um they set the scene i guess is a better way of saying it of him being like a macgyver ass bitch earlier when he's fixing the ac so yeah they did they give us a little bit of a tidbit so then that way when he literally macgyvers a fucking huge ass bomb out in the middle of nowhere you know we have an idea as to how he came up with that mm-hmm. but yeah it was insane but i mean justice for them i'm happy that they got to do that because they literally saw their fucking parents and their older sister mutilated so they deserve well, and poor bobby has to see his mom getting eaten his dog getting eaten is <laughs> girl they are gonna have a hot their therapy is going to be intense because tough I, I feel so bad for them in this movie so that's why i was very happy that they got that does bobby adopt them do they make it out i haven't seen the second one do they I have does either. the second one have anything to do with this family i don't think so i think i recall watching like the first like i don't know maybe like 20 minutes as a kid and then i left i like deliberately remember leaving the room uh i think it's like it's like an it's army people like people in the army out in, oh, okay i think it's probably the same desert i have no idea but there's like a scene where one of them's like taking a shit or something and that fucking hand reaches up through the porta potty and like starts to fucking murder them that way or something like that so once that scene happened i was out i was like i'm going to my room to like go play with my jurassic park toys or something because i can't deal with this again getting murdered on the pot terrifying Honestly, I mean, it is the easiest way to make a film feel grimy is to have like some type of outhouse or porta potty. And if you add a death to it, it's just extra grimy. Fair. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but kind of getting into the end of the movie, I mean, yeah, Doug's fucking full force Superman goes to this little commune of uh, mutant cannibals and takes them out one by one, girl. And I'm proud of him. I'm so proud of him. It feels very uh, like, you know, the, what is it that's playing in the background? Like, I don't know. I'm not all, you know, I live in America, but the... Is it the Star Spangled Banner? Yeah, as I was say, is it the Star Spangled Banner that's playing in the background it's, the entire time? It's some, it? it's some patriotic type shit. That's all I know. It reminded me of um, Dark Skies in the very end where, like, the 4th of July fucking program is going on in the background that feels a little bit, that's up. cool this feels very heavy-handed and like it's messaging of like you know, <laughs> the government doing their testing and causing right. after effect and that music's blaring in the background you know america it definitely feels like some i mean i don't know they probably thought it was like you know some type of leftist liberal fucking shit back in the day but i don't know i was too young i didn't know what the fucking political scene is like back when this movie came out but in re-watching it yeah it feels very heavy-handed and it's we were in the thick of the bushes is what was <laughs> happening it's a hot mess but it's exhilarating to see him really beat the fuck out of these bitches i forgot he he got knocked out for a bit that was in that fucking he gets his ass handed to him continually but his dad power i guess keeps him running strength Mm -hmm. the strength to save his baby which i don't blame him i don't either but what like get almost all of the mutants fucking get in a couple of hits on him and he's just going through it like he (laughs) he's determined to have his baby and i'm like good for him because good lord the one in the fucking wheelchair is a whole mood and a half that brain is seeping honey she is out to play his head's so heavy (laughs) so heavy and sometimes i'm a fan of a heavy head but girl so like that's how whenever you disclaimer if anybody's listening from work i don't smoke anymore but um that's how i feel like a head high feels <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it feels like that's how fucking heavy it is you're just fucking laying in that chair like you cannot move he looks how a head high feels girl bury that it's very much that when you're seeping into the couch and that commercial where that girl's like nothing <laughs> where they deflate yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm like this is you on drugs and i'm like it sure is baby and it's a good fucking time okay <laughs> but he gives me that energy for sure but he got what was coming to them they all did good oh beast is truly that murdering bitches left and right i mean he didn't murder I think he only murdered the last one, like the the heavy headed one. He also murdered uh, the weird guy who like sits with his hat and like is like the eyes, the actual eyes in the hills. That guy, he came up to him and like mauled his neck out. Uh, but yeah, sorry, continue. Oh, you're right, you're right. Got behind him, and then he bites the big, the big mutant, big papa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the big papas this week. There's so many, so many big papas, but can't keep yeah. up. <laughs> but Ruby obviously gets to come back as well at the end and be a bad bitch and take out Lizard. Like I I know we're not supposed to like any of the mutants, but I have the slightest bit of a soft spot for Ruby. Oh yeah, she's a good, she's good, neutral. What is the whole thing? She's chaotic neutral or oh. something like that, maybe. I don't know, or chaotic or lawful evil or something. That's her. She's great. I also feel bad for those two little kids like towards the ending where he's like can you play with us mister and they he just got done murdering the mother i think and i was like oh shit my bad i would have went and fucking punted those bitches i don't give a fuck this is an nfl field baby i would have fucking i would have lined up and hit them and i would have got the fucking goal my god they were little cgi faces would have been the fucking eh, they would have it's (laughs) that's not their fault they're mutant Okay, but I don't even fuck. They're gonna, they've been eating human flesh, honey. They're gonna grow up and they're just gonna have a fucking, they're gonna have an appetite for human flesh. You might as well get rid of them now. Because mm, they're okay. gonna be, what are you gonna do? Save them? And I mean, I guess you could probably like save them and like take them. But then they would probably just be part of the government and they probably have testing done to them and they probably would have they'd be part resent- of the government. <laughs> and they would have a resentment and they would like break out and start murdering everybody and anybody around them. And that's where the fucking mutants from Wrong Turn come from. <laughs> right. right. So okay, 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 okay. again, they would get punted. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But Doug's better than I. So. I don't know. The movie is pretty straightforward, I would say. <laughs> I 
I both love and hate the ending that we think they're safe. They have this sweet little moment of being like, oh my God, we found each other. We're so happy. And they get a hug and then it just pans out to like a binocular view of them. Somebody watching them from the hills and I'm all, great. We should watch the second one sometime because I really, I have no idea what it's about. I'm going to have to get drunk because this one costs me two anxiety pills. (laughs) (laughs) Girl, it's a pretty, it's intense. It is so intense. It really mm-hmm. is. I watched it in the daytime this time around. Because uh, when I had watched it again for the first time in many years, uh, it was nighttime and I, yeah, it was a ride. But rewatching it this time for the podcast, it was bright as fuck out. I was not going to watch this with the sunset because it's just, it's creepy. It's so fucking creepy. It just, it hits home. We have a body count of 17 in this movie. Isn't that crazy? And that feels so high i don't know i feel like we've been steady sticking around like a good nine to ten recently but yeah but i mean i don't know what would be your favorite scene in the movie i think my favorite is the ending scene with lizard and doug where doug's just getting slashed by whatever is round lizard's neck i don't know if those are knives it's like Something on a string that he flings around as Girl. defense. I don't know what it is. Um, I think I I really enjoy that scene. Fucking, I really do enjoy Bobby and Brenda blowing up that one cannibal inside the RV. I really enjoy it. I think they deserve it because literally they went through so much up until that point. So it was mm-hmm. very, it was very uh, heartwarming for me to see that happen for them. They deserve it because they were so happy after they did it. Like they were able to kill one and they were very proud of themselves. And so was I. I was proud of them. Bobby and Brenda are so proud that they killed one and Doug is just murdering a whole commune of <laughs> fucking mutants. Um, I just feel like it was kind of cathartic to watch Doug just bash Lizard's face in with the end of a shotgun. Mm-hmm. He was the worst one, obviously. Also, why leave the gun by the dead? That is the most annoying trope to me in horror is like, honestly, keep whooping their ass like, he should have taken a shot to the back of the head. Like, I don't care if you're laying there. Like, I'm still going to make sure that you're fucking dead. I'm going to shoot you in the back of the head. I don't know. Listen, I don't mind tropes in horror because they, obviously, they, the tropes are there to further the plot sometimes. But that is one trope that really does piss me the fuck off. I don't understand why people just don't take the initiative to fucking start bashing some brains in, honey. If somebody is literally coming at me with a knife, like, I don't, like, I don't know. Like, I, if I get one hot, if I get one hand on them and they're on the ground, I'm not stopping. I am not for a second. Like I can make other stupid decisions. I could run up the stairs. I could trip and fall. Um, I can see myself making dumb choices, but if I were able to get one of, or if I was able to get my assailant on the ground at any point, it's over for them. Like I am full force. Michael Myers in Halloween 2018 to his doctor, I am full fucking pushing my foot so hard down to the ground that I will fucking have their head explode under the force of my foot. I will not hesitate to end things right then and there. Don't hesitate. If I was the opening kill in a movie and I was able to get one hit, maybe the movie's not happening because I'm fucking taking them out. But yeah, that's always the one thing for me that really does piss me off is when they fucking, they leave a weapon behind or they just get a hit in and keep running. Hate it. Hate it every time. (laughs) Every time. Every fucking time. That's the one trip that really pisses me off in horror films. I feel that. So what did you say your favorite one was? Uh, yeah, the MacGyver scene, I guess. MacGyver, right, 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 right. <laughs> We're calling it. The uh, MacGyver scene. <laughs> but the movie itself, I mean, there's really not much to discuss, really. I yeah, mean, it's, it's just a lot of squish, a lot of trauma. Um, it's a lot of shock factor. It's a lot of gore. Um, it's a lot of pushing. I mean, especially if we're looking at the classic as well, it's just a lot of pushing the boundaries of horror. And also, of course, especially that time, obviously, like around Vietnam, the 70s was so heavy on that in, you know, displaying those type of things. So obviously with the original, I mean, and you can kind of tell with this one too, like I said, with the ending, which is like the just the all of it behind. Um, mm-hmm. It just always has like a really hard message. Um, and so I don't know. It's great. It's pretty straightforward, but gory as fuck. Uh, if I were to, I don't know, would you suggest this movie to people? I, I suggest it with a little bit of caution. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to like pick people's brains and see like what side of the horror job, like horror spectrum they're on. Yeah. Like what they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like, if you're comfortable with like, like the snuff esque type stuff. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, yeah. If you're in the mood to be quote unquote traumatized. Yeah, for sure. But, um, and I do think that it does, like you were saying there, this at the time that this was released, we were getting a lot of remakes, a lot oh, of reimaginings. So mm-hmm. And I do feel like it was one of the better ones. I agree. I do think it's necessary in like the love letter to like older horror, but I'm not obviously not going to force it on somebody. Yeah. And it, it is, it's well done. It's one of the remakes that like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake is like a whole different story. And it, mm-hmm. like, it takes the original story and concept and kind of makes it its own. This one, although there's obviously a lot of differences, it still is pretty by the by the same story and like right. kind of like the same like there's the same rv scene it's kind of like it's the same gist pretty much mm-hmm. but it's done really well um it is it's very intense i would recommend it with the disclaimer for sure because there is a lot of concerning imagery in this film and there's a lot of uncomfortable moments um but if you're able to handle those and if you're able to get past them and overall I think it's a really well done movie it's really enjoyable like although it's intense and it's a hard watch at times um I think it's really well done it's one of those horror movies that definitely sticks out to me like it's definitely one that if anybody asks for like a horror movie that's really fucked up or really like messed up I would suggest if not the original then this one for sure yep I agree um it's (laughs) looking back on it I kind of wonder like what kind of person I would be like interest wise if I hadn't seen it at such a young age, if that makes sense. Yeah, I probably would be a fucking rocket scientist at this point. <laughs> sure. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I really honestly I don't know what type of like what type of like like scar it left in me, but yeah, definitely knows because. I don't know. It was, it really was. It was one of those ones where it took me many years to come back and watch this movie. It really did. I remember I watched it literally around the time it was released as a child. And it was one of those movies where I remembered a lot of it. And I just never went back to it because I remembered a lot of it. I rewatched yeah. or I watched the original for the first time a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Really enjoy that one. Um, it's still, it's still very intense. It's still a very intense film. Uh, but in rewatching that one, I was, at that time going to rewatch this one but I didn't because I still just it was in my mind that this one was just like so nasty and so gross and it is but it wasn't as bad as I remember it and Mm -hmm. it's still enjoyable I really do enjoy this film it's great me too at least a solid three stars (laughs) three and a half at least you know me with my ratings I'd say a solid three and a half to four for me yeah I would definitely probably give it three and a half maybe four you're right it's pretty it's pretty straightforward and I really don't think that they stray too far from the main plot mm-hmm. um you know like the conjuring the devil maybe do it does um so and it's almost kind of simple so simple like we don't have to we only go like two places you know what I mean so it's not like you have a whole lot of plot to get confused in you know it piggybacks off of a classic horror film that really left its mark in cinema and a lot of movies pick up on those tropes you know, from this, the old gas station man, the family, the car breaking down. It's very, it's set, I mean, we're not talking about the original, but, you know, it piggybacks off of it, obviously, it's a remake of it. But yeah, it just retells the story of something that really helped shape the horror genre into what it is today and really kind of set the foundation for a lot of the tropes that we see today as well. And it, I think it retells that story successfully. I think that's why I said I would suggest it to other people because like you said it did do a lot of things for the genre especially in retelling the original story so that's why i think it's necessary to watch yeah it's definitely um a necessary i would obviously suggest watching the original before this one. Oh yeah um just because it's the original you know you should always just it's west craven yeah it's west fucking craven like literally a legend so just watch that first before you watch if you've never seen either one i would suggest watching the original first and then watching this one um after the fact but they're both really great so agreed i think that honestly wraps it up there's not a, not a very <laughs> there's not a very like discussion heavy things about it i mean there's probably a lot of topics that we can get into but i'm just like i don't care to <laughs> <laughs> really it's you know good movie i suggest watching it same um so yeah so maybe <laughs> Uh, another week down in June, we're still celebrating Pride. We're still celebrating Stormy. 
And uh, we have a few more fun movies to talk about this month. So I'm, re- I'm really excited for the next two movie discussions, really. Well, we were talking about like revisiting movies that we th- thought were like really scary and really gory. And next one, next week is one of those for me because I was traumatized by 13 Ghosts when I was younger and I haven't watched it since. So y'all are getting that from me for my birthday. Stormy is really <laughs> taking a dive into a movie that terrified her for you guys, for you. Not to gaslight you guys, but you better. <laughs> And you better listen, okay? You better People download. are like, why are you terrified of 13 Ghosts? But we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it next week, ladies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Stormy, where can everybody find us? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the same handle, at slash underscore her underscore pod. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Podbean, and plenty of other places. Be sure to give us a review if you can. Uh, we love you so much and stay spooky guys um stay spooky everybody and obviously really quickly before we go as well uh make sure you go to frightgown.com get your tickets uh weekend celebration of queer horrors coming up june 25th to june 27th get your tickets support them and yeah stay spooky everybody Bye. Bye.